0: Hi there, folks. You're listening to episode 8 now of the Bristol Film Critics Circle podcast. Uh, joining me today is uh, Peter Walsh, a fellow member of uh, BFCC Hello. And uh, returning again for the second week in a row, uh, I'm your host, Liam McLeod. And today we are going to be talking about the BFI Love Season. Uh, selection of films all about love, uh, running from November through December. So, uh, yeah, Peter, do you want to... Yeah, I,
1: I should um, probably step in and give you a bit of context for what the love season is. Um, it's in some ways similar to the Rama Nationwide Festival of Films that was going on in September, in so much as it's a umbrella funding organisation event... Uh, sponsored by the BFI to help encourage uh, cinemas in the capital and in the regions to uh, screen films along a certain theme, and this theme is obviously love. Um, I have a quote here from Heather Stewart, the BFI creative director. She said, The power of love is cinema's most seductive illusion, uh, making our hearts beat faster and shaping our dreams and loggings. BFI love will truly be an affair to remember. So it's, um, it's both a love... Passionate, seductive thing, but also an affair. I don't know if that qualifies as a mixed metaphor, but um, mm-hmm. it's 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 an interesting thing. It's ostensibly um, support from the BFI uh, through the Film Audience Network for cinemas to get funding to program films that are a bit different to what they usually program, uh, a lot more rep cinema, as it were, a lot more old historic screenings mm. of films on a theme, um, archive re-releases, new restorations, Some of them specifically uh, pushed about by the BFI, others picked up independently by venues and then captured under the umbrella of the Love Network. But it should, in principle, give us uh, an interesting opportunity to see some new... Not new films, it's mostly old films, but films that haven't had an airing in the UK for quite a while.
0: Yeah, I know. Um, One of the things I've noticed about this is this is very geared towards uh, regions as well as the capital. Um, Yeah... Bristol and the area around it is getting a lot of stuff, and a lot of old stuff especially.
1: Yeah, the scheme is essentially set up in such a way that, um, a bit like Rama, it's open to everyone, but there is a greater representation in some cities than there are in other cities, just mm. by dint of who, which venues pick up these
0: things. Or where, which regions have a BFI film hub located nearby. Yeah,
1: exactly. So um, the, the regional hub for Bristol is based at the Watershed, Um, and the teams working on that are quite closely coordinated with the teams working at the Watershed programming department. So Mm. it all feeds into each other, um, but in our area, for example, I know the uh, Watershed, the Cube, and the Curzon are essentially working together in promoting some of their events. Mm. So, um, for example, we have a very nice, glossy, uh, full-colour leaflet here promoting all the events in the Lob season, which are taking place in November and December, at the cube, at the watershed, and at the Curzon. Yeah. Um, yeah. Considering what films are under the umbrella of love, it's it's an interesting program.
0: Yeah, it is. It is definitely all geared towards romantic love. Uh, I don't think there's anything here that really encompasses ridiculously alternative love. Uh, but no, uh,
1: not not. In the standard program, it's um, quite heteronormative. It's quite Western. It's quite white. It's, it's quite, mostly English language.
0: Yeah, I mean, you've you've got your um, you've got your couple of nods to the LGBT crowd. You've got um, beautiful lingerie. Blue is the warmest color. Uh, I'm struggling and to think of the, the third. And then
1: the list sort of ends there. Um, I know that um, there are unique festivals. Uh, regional festivals mm. in, around the capital that are in in London and in the regions that are specifically focusing on yeah um, stories of trans women was showing at one of the festivals Ta-
0: Tangerine
1: yeah not Tangerine though not Tangerine oh. it, was, it was it was a collection of shorts about trans women. Uh, showing at a festival at some venue in London, but this is purely just what came okay. up by
0: the luck of the draw of what is happening in London tonight. Fair um, enough. That might have been the reason, though. They like just didn't want to step on um, the LGBT film festival's toes because yeah. that is still a big thing in London. Sure, I think it's. I think it's supposed to come up in like January. Not it's not that far away now.
1: Okay. But ostensibly you could split it into the broad church of anyone who wants to associate anything with the brand of BFI Love, but then there is also the officially instituted films. Mm -hmm. And the officially instituted films are sort of born out of a season of films happening at the BFI South Bank. And some of them are classics. I'd say as far as old films go, they're Mm -hmm.
0: safe box office. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I... I, I think these are going to play to an older crowd pretty well. I don't... Yeah. Yeah, I mean, uh, you you have the odd, like, more contemporary thing that's going to appeal to a younger tr- crowd, like, true romance. Um, and, God, they have... Yeah, they have Inside Out, which was in cinemas a few months ago. Yeah,
1: if, if not a month ago. Yeah, no, mm. um... I think that's them trying to reach out to an even younger crowd—not the young crowd, but the youngsters' crowd, mm-hmm. the, the infants' crowd. Um, but I, I guess the big bannerhead titles are Brief Encounter, mm-hmm. Casablanca, Doctor Zhivago, and then mm-hmm. yes, True Romance,
0: which is maybe the sort of exception to that rule of yeah. old grand. That's, nobody's taking their grandmother to see True Romance.
1: No, but it's, that's almost the most exciting one, because that's the sort of stuff, I don't know, it, mm. it feels like Brief Encounters has been back, has had an official restoration re-release. Yeah. I don't want to say every year, Oy. but almost every other year for, as far as I can
0: remember back, it, it, mm. it, it's, there is no difficulty getting Brief Encounters into cinemas. Wow, it, it's had that many restorations and they still can't get it in like a widescreen format. <laughs> They always, um, they always have to bring, like, the curtains in to put it in the, like, square. Ah. Yeah. Okay. Well, well, wasn't it shot in Academy? It... It must have done. I don't know... I don't know if it's to do with, like, the restoration that they have available, or just the space on the screen the individual venues have available. Okay. But, yeah, it was weird to watch. Yeah. Well, I'm... I'm...
1: I saw it about five years ago at the Cineworld in Sheffield, and I'm trying to remember how I saw it then. Mm-hmm. Um, but yes, obviously, it's... But that said, there is obviously a case to be made for some films coming into the what you might call the rep canon of you put this film on, there will always be an audience for it. Mm-hmm. And good cinemas would do well to show these films once a year. Yeah. Brief Encounters... Casablanca, uh, uh, Rocky Horror Picture Show. I mean, some venues you could show that film every weekend and you'd have a sell-out crowd, but... Yeah. Um, the shame is that they don't use these things to piggyback slightly more challenging films in that programme.
0: I I really agree. They can just try and sandwich in something that's a little bit more obscure, a little bit more bit offbeat that people probably wouldn't have heard of. And Yeah. Um, yeah. One,
1: one of the films, uh, there are some Bollywood films that are being shown on the BFI Southbank. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of a shame to not see that represented, because that is obviously an extremely flamboyant and romantic vision of what love can be. And it's also in quite stark contrast to the other films that are being presented in the programme. Yeah. Uh so that diversity would have been nice to see um the challenge being of course uh that this may have been offered and venues weren't keen to pick it up just because mm-hmm. it doesn't draw a big crowd um yeah. but you almost wish the b f I said, well, we'll give you these four films for a good rate if you pick up this fifth film as well, but that
0: yeah, without
1: but... getting into like the ins and outs of programming, you are yeah i i I wish the b f I had taken a few more risks in mm. challenging. Uh, what this program could be?
0: Yeah, I know. I know what you mean, but I I think we could do with like talking a little less now about um, what we wish this program was. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Was. Let's let's get into the actual content. Yes, so... the, the,
1: the the schedule of films that are coming up.
0: Yeah, the no, the notable
1: one to look at would perhaps be uh, looking at our local venues and what they've got coming up. Yeah. Um. The um. Do you want to start
0: at the Watershed
1: then? Yeah, I was going to say at the Watershed you've got the uh, Watch and Weep brunches. The mm-hmm. Watershed are obviously known for their Sunday lunch, lunchtime brunches uh, where they show a classic or archive film every Sunday lunchtime and they've taken this opportunity to schedule in some of the sort of classic, the real classics,
0: That it is the classic strand of mm. romantic cinema yeah, this is very this is very traditional stuff. Casablanca, Gone with the Wind, Matter of Life and Death, uh, My Beautiful Laundrette. Well, there we go. Yeah, My Beautiful yeah. Laundrette is maybe not the the that's the bone they throw at the LGBT crowd. Yeah,
1: yeah, but this is it. I, I, is it is it just concession making? It, it's it's a very odd trajectory. If you look at those films, mm. it's it's classic Hollywood, classic Hollywood, classic Hollywood. And my beautiful dandrettes.
0: Yeah, and then sort of very, uh, very sort of strange eighties era social realists uh, British film.
1: Yeah, and there's there's a real place for that in a program on films about love. And, yeah. Hey, it's it's more it's more um, timely than ever. Mm-hmm. You know, a film set in Thatcher's Britain. Um, yeah, if you will, but. I, and I, I I catch myself discussing this I refer to these films as romantic films and there's quite a distinction between a romantic film and a love film oh, well, love film mm. sounds like a sponsored uh, advertorial list but a um, a film about love and they're quite distinct and I I, I should actually err away from using the word romantic because that's quite a different thing to films about love
0: yeah I, I think I there's I would say there's a there's a weird sort of yeah pre- preoccupation with like romance films supposed to be talking about the great love of this person's life yeah uh, as as opposed to something like um weekend which is a film that is literally just about a one weekend fling and you know it's it's incredibly endearing and like sweet to watch but yeah. there's no implication that the couple in there will be together forever
1: yeah and it but it's still very much about love. It's a shame that that's not on the program, and that would almost be a safe bet.
0: Yeah, I think it's one of the ones that's going to be on uh, the BFI Player. Um, ah, I okay. don't, I don't know if it's uh, screening in Southbank.
1: No, well, this is it. That's the other thing, to sort of, recognised for people, audiences in the region, is that quite a lot of these films are being pushed on the the new, all singing, all dancing BFI Player, mm-hmm. uh, the new video on demand. Portal that the BFI are pushing quite heavily um and yeah. it's interesting to see that how like a cinema program feeds into their archive video on demand program mm. um, and they're not seen as at counter purposes
0: no which which is a, is a shame I think the the way the way to experience repertory cinema is in a cinema sure um, yeah no
1: I'd, I'd agree with that of course but um I don't know, I, I still want to applaud the BFI player for being there, it's mm. it's it's interesting, yeah I don't know I think it's interesting that they're mixing a cinema program with a video on demand program but um, yeah, look, look, looking at the program of love-driven films um, the, uh, I, I'll, I'll stick by my point that, that It is good to show Gone with the Wind. Casablanca. Mm -hmm. um, Rebecca. uh, Other sort of classic. Dr. Zhivago, I suppose. These sort of canonic films that will always sell well on DVD, will always sell well on Blu-ray, will sell well on any format that you put it out on. Mm -hmm. And old people... Like there's nostalgia for it but then there's also people who want to catch up with it and people who only ever yeah. saw it on VHS who want to see it on the big screen and films that really reward viewings on the big screen mm. like Dr. Zhivago like Casablanca like Gone with the Wind uh, I saw Gone with the Wind at the BFI South think, two years ago and wow. it, it was an amazing screening and they, they, yeah. they're blooming intermission in the middle because it's so freaking long uh, and that was a great experience and it's a gorgeous restoration it looks amazing And it's a really good, if problematic film. Oh, Um, yeah. But it's it's definitely worth seeing on the big screen, even Mm -hmm. if there are a million and one DVD and Blu-ray releases, and that you know it's it's not hard to get hold of.
0: Yeah, one of the reasons I've never I've never felt the major drive to see, say, Gone with the Wind is because it's it's on TV every year, if not every if not every month. Yeah. uh... But. I I understand there is an experience to seeing it on screen with an intermission. I mean, compare it to something like Dr. Zhivago, which I don't know how often that gets showed on TV, but I, you know. But this is the slightly
1: tricky thing that I think we have to be careful of is it's, I experienced that in my childhood growing up. You know, being away from the England for a while and then mm. moving back to England and I came back and the, the, the story that everyone repeat, like, oh, The Great Escape is always on TV. It's mm. always on a bank holiday. And then when I came back it never was not a bank holiday because it had been for like a decade <laughs> they showed it every bank holiday. And then by the time oh. I came back they never showed up on a bank holiday. I you know, had to bloody well go and get up on DVD oh, to see the film. Um, but is... I'm not sure how much these films do get shown on TV anymore. Hmm. Uh, and they're not available on Netflix. No. And they're not well served by being seen on Netflix. So, um, I don't know how much this feeling of, oh, well, they're always on TV, is that more a reflection of the fact they are or are not always on TV or that they're always culturally present. Do you get my point in that? that yeah,
0: it's... I think it's it's certainly the latter. There are people who, even if they haven't seen The Great Escape, even if they haven't seen Gone With The Wind, they have a basic idea yeah. of what those films are and what they're about. Sure, and um, it's important that
1: these films get screened in yeah. rap cinema. Um, the question
0: is, does the BFI have to push that sort of thing? Like i know there are there are films more deserving of a push that yeah. that not as many people have seen but but at the same time this is this is where the the non crowds are for
1: yeah yeah and it's it's the trick with a thing like this is this is a scheme constructed by the BFI that they put out to tender basically they set up a thing they offer it to the venues and they could do, you know, the most weird and esoteric films and not a single venue would touch them with a barge pole. Mm. Um, and I guess venues are increasingly concerned about finding films which will draw crowds, which will pull in revenue and will be financially justified. Mm. Um, it's, yeah, as I said, my, my niggling feeling is that you could have these events It'd just be nice if they had, you know, a bit of grit. How can you say that about love? <laughs> but a bit of some something to sort of to use this build-up of rep cinema to throw something into the mix. Yeah. And see if you could pull in audiences. Now, my my challenge
0: to myself is thinking of what these films might be. Hmm. Um, what what films? What thing? Films would go with this lineup that have the the necessary grit.
1: Uh, I don't know that.
0: I can't knock the season because it's
1: looking at love in a very positive light. But yeah. um, if you say Swedish films and love, uh, well, then don't let your thoughts go to any filthy things here now. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about the great director. Ah, I saw your eye, Liam. I saw your eye. <laughs> um, if we think of the great Ingmar Bergman, uh, Scenes from a Relationship. Is that what it's called in English? Scenes from a Marriage. That's what it's called. Um, oh. Which is basically about the disintegration of a relationship. And the yeah. end of love. Which arguably, I suppose, Blue is the woman's Colour is... Well, Blue is the woman's Colour covers the whole arc of a relationship. Yeah. Um, but that's a very interesting film that really pulls at the seams of what love is and how love works. Yeah. And it's not in English, for one. I know. Um, and, I don't know, would it be a bit cynical to end a season of lovely... Some quite romantic, some quite grandiose films with a really bitter film about divorce and relationship end. Oh. At the end of the season, <laughs> all good things come to an end. No, that's, that's quite a of thing. But um, that would be an interesting... That would that, that put the cap on the pigeons. Oh, definitely. I don't know if you, if you programmed that and tried to get it included in the, in the scheme. I wonder if the BFI would recognise it. Uh, um,
0: I, I don't know. There must be a really classic film about like, just the breakdown of a relationship. Yeah, uh,
1: love is the blue is the love is the warmest. Color. Blue is the warmest colour.
0: I've got it on the brain now. Um, I yeah, I think that is that is really a film unto itself. Yeah. Um, it's, well, the, the
1: other one that if if so, the um, the watershed had a program of late night love screenings in the run up to this. It,
0: should that, I be raising my eyebrows at that
1: one? Well. Nothing. Well, I'll tell you what they programmed, and you can uh, raise your eyebrows as appropriate, but they included Amelie, Punch Drunk Love, mm. Blue is the Warmest Colour, Her, and Let the Right One In. Uh, let the Right One In, the proper the proper Swedish version, of course.
0: Oh, no. No one's confusing this with Let Me In.
1: No, true. Um, but, yeah. as you mentioned earlier, Let the Right One In is maybe not the first film you think of in connection with the word love.
0: No, but at the same time, when you when you look back on it, yeah, it, it is a very sweet and tender love story. It's just yeah. also an incredibly grisly one. Yeah. Um, somewhere else in the UK, I know
1: someone was showing uh, Bram Stoker's Dracula, which is to say Francis Ford's Bram Stoker's Dracula, just, oh, just yeah. for clarity. Which is also a film very much about love. It focuses on the um, undying love of Dracula for his sacrificed wife. Um, Reincarnated in Mina Harker, and mm. um, that's a very that's a film obsessed with the question of love. Um, but I don't know, it's it's such a nebulous. Yeah, you, when you get down to it, that's that's maybe why we're struggling to get our claws into it. It's like, well, how how do you discuss love in the cinema?
0: It's yeah, it's a it's a tough one because as at the same time there are so many different variations on love, and you know how you how you express it. I mean,
1: yeah, or how how you how you capture it. Well, yeah, love is a broad thing, mm-hmm. and the program they have offered is an open and broad church. Mm-hmm. Um, but- you can't really knock it for that. But in the films that are being scheduled locally, there hasn't been anything. Uh, well, okay, so I mean they they are showing a double bill of Jim Jammush films, mm-hmm. uh, Mystery Train and Night on Earth, and they very rarely get airings. Mm, definitely. Um, yeah. And I'm keen to see on that, and it'd be interesting to see if they get a hip Jim Jamush crowd in for that or not. Um, I, I, would... I guess that will be the sort of acid test for this, and I myself will have to make sure that. I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm eyeing up Mystery Train I really want to go and see that and I really want to see if the audience turns up for it
0: hmm. um, definitely if if any of you are like listening home if you're free on the 27th go to the Jim Jarmusch double bill it is it is the kind of thing you are not likely to see in a no. cinema for a long long time
1: um, which is to say that you know don't shed a tear if you miss Brief Encounters because mm, that, that'll be sure back next Shandy, year. it'll be on next year mm-hmm. but um Oh, you can you can't be too cynical about it because it it is pushing against um, other films that are out there and um, and it's 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 encouraging rep cinema
0: hmm definitely um,
1: the question being of course how can will this foster a culture of rep cinema beyond the confines of this november and december I mean, this is the slight issue with the watershed is that they've they've sort of slotted this into their watch and weep brunches. yeah, which is an established formula for them. But as someone who doesn't much enjoy going to the cinema at twelve o'clock on a Sunday morning,
0: Oy. Uh, indeed. As a, well, speaking as someone who works at twelve o'clock every Sunday, well, you're a brave man. Uh,
1: really... No, well, it's 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 a it's a good hour for some people, but it, it's the disappointing that, thing that. Okay, I'm not asking them to put uh, rep cinema on at six o'clock on an opening Friday, mm-hmm. but, yeah, but would it would it kill them to put um, you know some mm-hmm. rep cinema on on a weekday evening?
0: Yeah, some something once a week would be good. I I'd go to that as often as I could.
1: Yeah, well, yeah, it's, it's how you foster an audience for it, and um, how you get return audiences for it, and uh, how you build up an audience for rep cinema. Mm -hmm. Um, and that's maybe where you can make inroads with a theme
0: think carefully about what your theme is yeah
1: I mean the um, Martin Scorsese season of Polish films I always cite that as an example so last summer Martin Scorsese did a roadshow of Polish films around the US I think it was some 30 or so films Mm. that he toured around the UK around the US with glittering new or newish restorations, digital restorations and he toured them around art cinemas in the US and a couple of cinemas in the UK he basically called across and said can we have a slice of that action would you mind sending them this way uh, and that was the film house in Edinburgh and uh, the Cube in Bristol so mm. give or take for about two months a month and a half maybe I think it was about six or eight screenings every Sunday the Cube would show in the afternoon or in the evening they'd show a Polish film and they started out with the Reasonably famous ones, Knife and Water, Ashes and Diamonds, and then they slowly got weirder and weirder and weirder, more and more esoteric. And like one of the last films they showed was uh, uh, the Saragossa Manuscript, which is a three hour psychedelic, widescreen, black and white uh, medieval tale of madness. Um, wow. It's at one point you basically have a story within a story within a story within a story within a story. I think there are five layers, six layers. It's it's pretty hard going, yeah. But that's... it's it's a really good film. Don't get me wrong. It's it's a very it's a really enjoyable film. But it sounds like one to watch. Man alive, you've got to be paying attention. You've really, got to be paying attention. But um, my point in this was that that was a really powerful, se- powerful season. That's an exaggeration, but it was a good season because you could see that the audience carried from one event to the next, uh, and they stuck with it. Mm. And the audience grew over time instead of whittling away. And when you have a program of Casablanca, Gone with the Wind, Matter of Life and Death, and then My Beautiful Laundrette, I wonder: Will you build an audience with that, or will mm-hmm. it be people coming in for the one-off event, going like, "Oh, I'll see, I'll catch up with Gone with the Wind. That's it, done and dusted," mm-hmm. uh, and I won't catch anything more in the season? I don't know. It's, it's, it's. How do you carry audiences with you? It's
0: I. I honestly don't know. I like to feel like the watershed it has its audience of regulars and it will try to encourage them to um, to come to like more repertory screenings in the future possibly using this as a jumping off yeah. point for more more collaborations with the yeah. BFI. I
1: and mean, it it'll be interesting to see if the BFI pick this up and have like you know, I... the fear season, the loathing <laughs> season, you know, the, any other adjective. The avarice season. Yeah, indeed. Uh knowing someone who Works in programming, they were speculating. Like, oh, maybe, maybe we should do a counterpoint to this by having the hate season of the most hateful films that we can think of. And I was like, well, that would be a broad church. Oh um, God, yes. You could go down many roads if you wanted to play up uh, what hateful films. Yeah. Um, that would be rather sticking a finger up the BFI, who really don't deserve having
0: fingers stuck no, out. No, they at? We, we love that work.
1: Yeah, well, indeed. We, we, well, this is the thing, and it's 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 hard to be sitting grouse about mm. the program, but. Ultimately, yep. it's fostering broader and wider screenings of interesting and, I guess, critically challenging films, even if yep. we don't feel Pixar's Inside Out is maybe the most
0: critically challenging of films. Yeah, that's that's the hump we're not getting over. But um, other, otherwise, yes, we are definitely pro this BFI. <laughs> P- please send us more stuff.
1: Yeah, indeed. No. Um, and I, I, one has to hope that it's successful. Mm. Um The Curzon in Cleveland are also showing an interesting little program of films, uh, including Rebecca on Tuesday the 10th of November, Brief Encounters on the 29th, True Romance on the 4th of December, and Dr. Zhivago on the 13th of December. And they're films which really suit being seen in the Curzon, a really Mm. grandiose, quite romantic, old-fashioned cinema in its own right. So they're really worth mentioning, and it's... It's almost worth making an event of it and taking a road trip out to Curzon to see films like that. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, uh, so if
0: you are Bristol based, if you're in cleveland based, it's maybe not so much of a road trip, but uh... <laughs> definitely make the effort either way. Absolutely. And yeah, speaking of speaking of making an effort to get out to things, there's uh, going to be the Bioscope at Redcliffe Caves. Uh, this is yes. gonna, yeah. This is going to be an interesting one. This is a selection of shots. Around the theme of love presented by Cube Cinema. Uh, yeah. Yes,
1: yeah, in the Redcliffe Cavern. So that's um, the caverns underneath Redcliffe Church, mm-hmm. uh, or, or underneath the whole district of Redcliffe. And some experimental filmmakers, yep. um, some film art filmmakers. Yes. It's, it's an um, interesting program.
0: Yeah, live accompaniment from uh, Goldcrest. Yeah. yeah. It's an interesting one to see. So it's, as we say, it's a broad church Mm -hmm. and there's
1: maybe something for everyone if you look hard enough. But, um, might take some digging. um, Um, but it's definitely worth checking out. Yeah. And a great opportunity to see some films on the big screen.
0: I think, um, yeah, I think we're good. Um, I think that wraps it up. Yeah, that wraps everything up. Um, uh, yeah, for those of you who don't know, um, all these uh, all these films are taking place at the the watershed, the Curzon, um, and um, the Cube can, Microplex, yeah. of course. The Cube Microplex, lovely venue.
1: <laughs> yes, of course, um, and of course across the country. Yes, yeah. across the UK in the months of November and December.
0: Yeah, check uh, check the local venues or check the BFI website if you Dude. want more information. But yeah, that's it for the Bristol Film Critics Circle today. Uh, We will see you again next week. Thanks very much. Bye.